This week's episode of Discovering Trek is brought to you exclusively by Fansets. Later on in this episode, we'll have a special discount offer code from Fansets just for Discovering Trek listeners. Discover a whole new universe of pin collectibles with Fansets. Online at Fansets.com. A big reveal. A broken mycelial network. And Kelpian cuisine. Yummy. The Mirror Universe arc continues and just keeps getting better and better. It may have been the shortest live-action Trek episode ever, but it certainly packed quite a punch. There was blood, there was an interesting dinner choice, and there were major reveals. I'm your host, Dan Davidson, and we are Discovering Trek. Welcome one and all to Discovering Trek, the Star Trek Discovery Companion, presented by Fansets. We've been here in the Mirror Universe for three episodes now, and it certainly looks like next week will be full of action on that gigantic ship. I, of course, uh, being a Mirror Universe lover, am in heaven, and I'm loving what is happening. But episode 12 pulled out all the stops and gave us some amazing stuff to chew on, and we'll be getting into that in just a few minutes. Again, my name is Dan Davidson, and we hope you enjoyed the discussion today. As always, this is the premier podcast for the most in-depth discussion and analysis about the latest episode of Star Trek Discovery, entitled Vaulting Ambition. There are just so many things to talk about, I really don't know where to begin. And when I say we, well, it's time to introduce my amazing co-host. You know, I've noticed some strange behavior in him lately. He just seems a little different to me. A little off. Perhaps I should just shine a light in his face and see if he has any sensitivity to it, just to make sure. But in any event, whatever universe he's from, he is my special friend, my brother in Trek, and my amazing number one, Bill Smith. Bill, welcome to another episode of Discovering Trek, my friend. Please, please don't shine that light in my eyes. I'll be good. I'll be good. I knew it. Uh, <laughs> thanks, buddy. It's good to be here. I want to go back to something you just said a moment ago. Did you really say that this episode gave us stuff to chew on? I am glad that you... Yes, I did. We're gonna. I have several things to talk uh, about in regards to that. Sorry. Puns are part of my life. And so, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Sorry, so bad, sorry. so bad. I, I'm I'm excited to be here and talk about, like you said, this shortest ever live action Trek. Uh, it's going to be a great episode tonight. It is going to be a great episode tonight. And one of the reasons or two of the reasons why it is going to be so special is we have a couple of amazing guests to talk vaulting ambition with us. We absolutely do, Dan. Our first guest can currently be seen in the Netflix original series Disjointed, where she plays Jenny, part two of which just became bingeable just a short time ago, if indeed bingeable is a word. We last saw her ourselves at Star Trek Las Vegas this past summer, but tonight she's talking Discovery with us. She's our friend Elizabeth Ho and Liz. Thank you so much for being on Discovering Trek. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here and to crush everyone's dreams. (laughs) Something that I do for Dan daily, I assure you. Our other guest tonight, yeah, our other guest tonight is the author of the Star Stuff trilogy, book one of which is available now, and book two, Escape from Red Tower, is coming soon. He's also the co-host of the Two Guys, One Trek podcast, which is one of my personal favorites. And on top of all of that, he also happens to be Mr. Elizabeth Ho. He's the lovely and talented Ira Heineken. And Ira, welcome to Discovering Trek, buddy. Oh, my God. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm so excited to be back. 
It's uh, it's awesome to have you both here. Ira, of course, we've had you over on Trek Geeks. We had a great time. And Liz, even though I know that you like Bill a lot more than you like me, I'm still very happy that you're here to join us. So thank you both very much for joining us. And uh, before we get started, I think that Bill has some non-redacted instructions on how to contact us with your thoughts about Episode 12. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Hailing frequencies are open, Dan, and we're transmitting in all known languages and even across the mycelial network. You can find us on Twitter at, at Discovering Trek, and of course on Facebook. You can find us at facebook.com slash Discovering Trek. There you can join in on the discussion and even leave us comments, questions, suggestions, or even your recipes for, well, we'll talk about that later. Plus, also, don't forget you can send us a voicemail directly, and now it's easier than ever. Just go to trekgeeks.com and click on the giant blue button on the right-hand side of the screen. Please do remember, though, that any comments or suggestions you leave us could be used in a future episode of Discovering Trek. Dan. Thank you, Mirabil. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. From here on in, this episode of Discovering Trek contains spoilers. So if you haven't watched episode 12 of Star Trek Discovery, stop listening right now. That is an order. Go over to CBS All Access and watch the latest episode. Failure to do that puts you at risk to find out plot developments and character details for vaulting ambition. A shuttlecraft departs the ISS Shenzhou. Aboard it are Michael Burnham and Gabriel Lorca, and they've been summoned to the ISS Charon, the Emperor's palace ship. Saru was able to decrypt the information on the USS Defiant, but it turns out that most of that is redacted. There is some data available on how the Defiant got to the Mirror Universe via interphasic space, but Lorca tells Burnham that he thinks more information will be available at the palace ship. Burnham gives Lorca something to dull his nerves when in the agony booth, and Burnham is worried about facing Giorgio. Lorca reminds her, this is not her Giorgio. Aboard Discovery, Tilly and Saru discuss Stamets' condition, and he's essentially in a coma, although his ratings have been looking better, along with his dewy skin. Tilly thinks they should just let whatever is happening in Stamets' head continue to happen because it seems to be working. Saru doesn't think it's happening fast enough because they need a way home. If Burnham and Lorca can't figure out where the Defiant is, then Stamets may be their only way back. In the Mycelial Network, Stamets chats with Mirror Stamets, and he explains what's going on. They shake hands, and then they're both transported to a recreation of the Discovery inside the Mycelial Network. Mirror Stamets explains that he ended up here after an experiment went wrong in his universe, and his physical body is also in a coma aboard the Sharon. He's been trying to reach out and contact Prime Stamets, which is why Prime has been seeing what he finds out are flashes of the Mirror Universe. Mirror Stamets wants Prime to help him find a way out because something is corrupted inside the network. Mirror Stamets got swept up in it before, and he was lost for days. Then they're threatened by what looks like fast-moving tentacles which envelop the corridors, and the dual Stamets escape to engineering where Prime believes he might be able to give them a way out. Aboard the Sharon, Burnham and Lorca are brought before the Emperor. The Emperor offers any of three Kelpian slaves to Burnham as a reward. She hesitates initially and then makes her choice. Burnham then presents Lorca to Giorgio, and he's not really into the whole kneeling before her thing. Jorga strikes him into that position and promises he will live a long life in the agony booth. 
Yikes. Giorgio says that she is glad Burnham didn't die chasing Lorca and promises her that everything will be as it was before. Oh, and she refers to Burnham as her daughter. Excuse me? Tyler is strapped to a biobed in sickbay and threatening to kill everyone in Klingon. The doctors are at a loss. They don't know how to treat a Klingon who's trapped inside a human body or a seemingly human body. Tyler's human personality reemerges momentarily and he pleads for Saru's help before he begins screaming again. Giorgio and Burnham dine together and apparently the Kelpian that Burnham selected earlier is what's for dinner. Ew. Giorgio wants to know why Burnham left and why she seems so hesitant to attack the rebels on Harlack. Burnham tells Giorgio that she was concerned that Lorca had spies on board the Sharon, but Giorgio's not buying that. She believes that Burnham was actually conspiring with Lorca to overthrow her as the emperor. Giorgio calls for guards to bring Burnham to the throne room and so that she can execute her. That's not good. Stamets, Prime, and Mirror try to map a way out of the network. Prime notices something wrong with Mirror's arm, and it's apparently a side effect of being in the network for too long. Prime then sees Dr. Culber for a moment and follows him and follows him and follows him. Mirror warns, though, that he'll be lost if he doesn't stay focused. The Emperor is feeling magnanimous because Giorgio loves Burnham. She will grant her the mercy of a quick death. Ah. Burnham tells her that she's not the Michael Burnham she knows. She says that she also was an object that can prove this because it carries a different quantum signature than this universe, and she hands the Emperor the Starfleet emblem of her prime counterpart as proof. Once she verifies the quantum signature is in fact different, the Emperor kills everyone in the room with what looks like the galaxy's deadliest fidget spinner. Well, everyone except Burnham and one lucky attendant who gets to clean up and the Emperor already knows about the Federation. Saru visits Laurel in the brig. He tells her that Tyler thinks he's a Klingon and he asks for her help, but she says there's nothing to do. Saru tells her about the parallel universe and how the war is now over. Laurel says that the real Ash Tyler was captured at the battle at the Binary Stars and they harvested Tyler's DNA and grafted it onto Voke. Prime Stamets chases Culber through the hallways of the Faux Discovery. He winds up in their quarters, where Culber tells Stamets that he's died. Giorgio can't see any reason why she should help Burnham, and Burnham tells her that she knows Giorgio loves the Burnham from this universe. Giorgio believes that the ideas the Federation represents are dangerous, and also that they won't be able to get to where they belong through interfacing space because it's going to drive the crew insane. So she offers Burnham a trade. She can go free if she hands over the schematics to Discovery Spore Drive. Saru returns to Laurel's cell and tells her that Tyler has broken through his restraints, and then he shows her the results. He's clawed at his own chest like he was almost trying to rip something out of it. Laurel still refuses to help Saru, so he has Tyler beamed directly into Laurel's cell. She then says she can undo it, but only by her own hands. Captain Maddox visits Lorcan, tells him that all of his loyalists were rounded up, and they had to fill a cargo bay with agony booths to accommodate them all. He seeks revenge on Lorca because his sister died, and he threatens to kill one of Lorca's loyal men. And all he wants Lorca to do is say her name. Lorca says he has no idea who Maddox's sister is. Lorel begins working on Tyler in sickbay. 
She's wearing some kind of device on her hands and focusing on his brain. He reacts first by speaking Klingon and then English. And then eventually Laurel lets out a Klingon death cry. Prime Stamets remembers watching Tyler kill Culber and then also cradling his body. Culber tells Prime Stamets that Mirror Stamets is responsible for corrupting the mycelial network and that the corruption is going to destroy everything. Culber then shows him his arm and he's exhibiting the same condition as Mirror Stamets. Prime has to save the network and he has to wake up from his coma. Culber tells him he loves him and kisses him and tells him to open his eyes. Mirror Stamets wakes up in the Sharon sickbay and Prime Stamets wakes up on the Discovery. Stamets immediately goes into the spore forest and finds that it's already sick and dying. Burnham contacts Saru to rendezvous with the Discovery. Giorgio tells Burnham that Mirror Lorca helped raise Burnham after she grew up, and it became... uh, more, is probably the best way to put it. Burnham pieces the clues from her various interactions with Lorca together. She also learns that Giorgio is sensitive to light, just like Lorca. Lorca knew so much about the parallel universe, too. She realizes that Captain Gabriel Lorca is actually from the mirror universe. Lorca continues to be agonized by Maddox, who pulls him out to keep him alive. And of course, Lorca surprises him thanks to the injection that Burnham gave him at the beginning of the episode. And he uses defibrillator paddles on his head. He then tells Maddox his sister's name was Ava before he stomps on his head. Literally. Hey, buddy, you know, there was a lot in this episode, which is kind of interesting because it was only 38 minutes long. But as usual, your recaps are precise, exciting, and dare I say, mellifluous. Well done, buddy. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, enough of that. We're going to get right into things, guys. I want to get a general high-level thought on the episode. Liz, we're going to start with you tonight as our special guest. Uh, Thumbs up or thumbs down, and let's get a general reaction on the overall episode from you. Oh, I don't want to be first. All right, here we go. Ready? Drumroll, please. Um, Two emphatic thumbs down. Okay. I was not expecting that. I know you weren't. (laughs) Why? And, And why? Yes. Uh, we'll get into it, but I have a lot of problems with story and I was really bored. Even though Bay, who is Michelle Yeoh, is in it, I was so unbelievably like confused and bored and I couldn't stop looking at my phone because that's how bored I was, which would make me really sad. And that has absolutely nothing to do with being married to Ira, I'm sure. Ira, how about you, man? <laughs> thumbs up or thumbs down for last night's episode. I, I have a question for you guys, actually. Um, I am curious. You do say thumbs. I'm wondering am I, if I'm allowed to have the each of the thumbs do something different. Or is it all in or all out? Well, Bill gave uh, an episode a couple weeks ago, two thumbs ups. So I heard that. I'll, I'll allow it. I'll allow it. You'll allow. It'll be allowed. I I think this this episode for me, uh, as much of the show is, is one thumb up and one thumb down. Interesting. Anything particular you want to uh, explain right now before we get into the meat of the episode in a little bit? Another Kelpian reference. You there. know, they. <laughs> I actually did some homework uh, before before coming on here because that's how I do. Um, and I was watching a lot of the early on episodes and it really 
articulate because so much of watching the show for me has felt like I'm in this careening car that's like like crashing back and forth into these walls as it like screeches down the freeway. Um, and watching it for a second time really kind of articulated for me what it is that I like about it and what I don't like about it. And I'll say, I'll, I'll, I think I'll save some of those specifics for kind of the discussion that we have later on because it's perfectly illustrated in this episode. Um, but a lot, you know, a, a lot of it, a lot of it comes down to what I enjoy as a storyteller myself and also like execution wise, really where I think that they've succeeded and a lot of the time where I feel like they've fallen short. Um, and that, that was really illustrated in this episode. There's a lot of stuff that I feel felt like they really followed through on really well. And then there's some stuff I feel like they didn't. But Laurel had fancy gloves. That very fancy gloves they were so fancy they solved migraines and i think for like the third or fourth episode in a row we saw that lovely shot of the bodysuit and them doing the business yeah i love that bodysuit they paid a lot of money for it so we got a gray gray (laughs) bodysuit we have two thumbs down a thumbs up and a thumbs down so bill what do you got I'm going to go for your generic everyday thumbs up um, and not thumbs ups, even though Dan. It's so generic. Uh, yeah, it's, I have a feeling Dan's going to go the complete opposite of the spectrum and blow us all away. But um, I, 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 I get that the episode was only 38 minutes. I, I, and a lot happened here tonight. I mean, it's not like there was a lack of, of developments in this episode for me, but I, I expected more. Um, I, I still think there, there's ways that you know they could have added more to this episode and still made it just as as compelling for um, for the audience. So I'm going to go thumbs up, even though I wish it had been longer. I'm not going to go overboard when I say this, but I am also going to give it a thumbs up. I'm not going to give it a thumbs ups, toe big toes ups or anything like that. I enjoyed the episode. One of the things about the Mirror Universe is that there's so many question marks that we have so so far, and I think that this episode. Um, answered some of those things for us. It also brought up new questions, which we'll get into later. But one of the things that I liked about this episode were even the smallest things were huge when looking at the big picture. Uh, I loved the way that they um, did the flashbacks of the first dozen, ep- uh, first 10 episodes or so when Burnham was realizing what was going on with Lorca and his true identity. I think that that really was done well um, at the same time that they were showing Lorca escaping from the agonizer booth. I liked that a lot. And I got to say at first, I'm like, whoa, that ship is weird. But the flagship, it kind of, you know, Bill, I, I kind of see another love boat podcast coming in, you know, maybe mirror universe style uh, with that ship. <laughs> it was about. magnificent. The t- <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so yeah. we have a, uh, the leader deck will be filled with agony boots, I assure you. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a bit that's not a bad thing so we have quite a uh quite a spectrum of votes today we have thumbs down kind of middle thumbs up and thumbs up so interesting and that's what's good about discovering trek is we can get that varied opinion so let's get right into the big meaty subject shall we and of course let's start with the big reveal that everybody has been speculating about for months and we finally got the confirmation last night Lorca is not the Lorca of our universe. He is the mirror universe uh, version of Gabriel. And Bill, 
like I said, you've been speculating about this for weeks on the show. I haven't been a huge fan of the idea, but I love the way it was revealed. It was very, very tense and exciting. Um, and I'm in, I'm interested in the conclusion and the ramifications of this reveal in the next couple of episodes. I, it's like you said, I, I think you and I and a whole bunch of people saw this coming and it's like I said a couple of episodes ago, you know, Star Trek Discovery has has really not been able to keep very many secrets about the plot, but they are finding ways in which to introduce these elements that are still interesting. I, um, I, I'm not thrilled that he's Mirror Lorca because now I've got all kinds of questions about Prime Lorca. But I, I think that for me, what made that reveal really you know, good is, is the way it was edited together with the scenes from the previous episode and then Burnham's realization. I, I think if it had been done any other way, I I don't think it would have been anywhere near as, as interesting to me personally. It was kind of an icky moment when we realized that uh, Mirror Lorca and Mirror Burnham were, were kind of a thing, but uh, we can save that for another day. Ira, um, this was kind of the big topic for the episode. So, uh, what do you think? Were you happy the way it was done? Do you like the idea of this mirror, uh, Lorca? And what do you think's going on with our version of the guy? Okay. So I think numero uns, I have to give you guys some props because I, by my count, you have finally got a few things, right? Uh, in terms of your- Sick burn. Michael Michael Burnham. (laughs) Um, So okay, yeah. So here, I I guess it's a goodest time as a good time as any to to just touch on the mirror universe in general. A goodest. Um, Did I stutter? (laughs) (laughs) It's right in here. This is our this is our household on the daily, guys. So (laughs) buckle up. Okay, so Mirror Universe, I remember, I th- man, I believe, believe it or not, my first introduction to the Mirror, Mirror Universe was Deep Space Nine, because um, I had never seen the mustachioed, bearded Spock, and I'd always seen that photo, but it was, I mean, if you remember, this is back in the days when we had to wait for episodes to air, right? Um, and so I had never seen the mirror universe from the original series, uh, when I was younger. So my first introduction to it was in deep space nine and I loved it. Um, I loved how, um, how fun it was to get characters that we knew and loved, right. And show completely different facets of them. Like I think of the mirror universe and I think of Nana visitor playing mirror Kira, right. And just the, glee that she played that character with like that's that to me is the best of the mirror universe um not necessarily i don't mean that specifically in her character that instance but i mean in like like if i'm thinking about it as a storyteller like that's the appeal for me that there's just so it's it's so over the top there's so much fun that you can have with that and then we get to like enterprise and i was just gonna ask you're not gonna bring up enterprise (laughs) (laughs) and we see how we see how the over the topness can go kind of astray in just in terms of at that like if you're playing the pastiche and and you're not like you're not really revealing anything about your own characters to make them really think about something there's a danger in just the presentation of the mirror universe just being over the top and evil and the issue that i have with Lorca being 
the mirror universe captain and kind of this in general with the exception of Tilly, which I'll get to in a second, is that if Lorca has been from the mirror universe of the, like the whole time, I, we're not really getting any, like, I don't, I don't know what it is that the mirror universe is actually bringing to the table for his character. Um, because we're still getting to know him. Um, and that's, I, where, again, where I think the mirror universe is really the most interesting is when it's being used as a mirror to look at someone in a different way that that we usually see in another way. Um, the exception- I have a question. I have a question. Yeah. What did you think when uh, Anthony Rapt looked in the mirror in the mirror universe? Was that too much for you? Was that too much mirror? <laughs> well, I don't think you can have too much mirror if you're in the mirror. I mean, universe. that was like a triple let mirror. Me, let me offer this. I think the 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 opposite of that, which I think is working really well, is Tilly, who is such a like the, like think about the difference between the two characters that she's supposed to play in the mirror universe, right? Like we fell in love with her. She is, I think, hands down, u- universally accepted as the most interesting beloved character of the show so far and seeing her have to play a foil or, you know, or if she were to encounter her, you know, captain Tilly, like that is, that is scintillate. Like that is fascinating stuff. And I'm but, all in on but that. Hold your, hold your horses. What the, what the heck hell? Um, I, what, I'm sorry. I really don't have anything to say. I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, I, I like your points though. because I agree. <laughs> Tilly is the best character on the show, I think, hands down. Um, when the show was first um, announced, Saru was, I'm like, oh my God, he's going to be my favorite character. But there's so much to Tilly, so many layers. I think it's great. You she's so kind human, of, right? She, absolutely. She's the best example she's of humanity perfect. in the show. Yep. Yeah. Um, but Liz, let's uh, let's get your take on the whole Lorca situation. Ever since you said you gave it two thumbs down, I'm just like on the edge of my seat waiting to hear what you have to say about every topic. I don't care. I'm at a point with Discovery where I'm just like, oh, okay. Like, that's how sad Discovery makes me. You have to realize that when Ira and I started watching Discovery, I was the one who was super pumped the first couple episodes. And then I just feel like Discovery has just kept on letting me down, and it's been really boring. So when I found out Lorca, well, I had a feeling when he was in the Agonizer booth part, whatever this is, because that's all he is. He's just, can you imagine poor... uh Jason Isaacs, like all day, just like shivering in a booth. They're like, can you make it look more agonizing? Like, can you get on your knees and make it more look more agonizing? But when the guard came in and obviously spoiler alert, like he's like, say my sister's name, say her name. I was like, oh, we're going to do this. And I just, I was bored because there are these, there are these tropes that could work, but I, I just feel like they're so, um, they're not earned. And so when we get to them, I just roll my eyes and I go like, oh, okay. Like it wasn't surprising to me. And then, I mean, I liked the idea where we went back through uh, Michael Burnham's memories, like, oh, here's a montage of like every time Lorca was kind of crazy. And we, the idea of him keep uh, having discovery jump in a specific pattern was really cool. I'd forgotten about that part. But besides that, I don't understand why Lorca, like, I don't see how this is going to make 
this mirror universe more interesting, nor do I see how him being mirror universe is going to add more conflict for the ship because he basically hasn't really been there. And also we haven't been talking about his eyes like for a long time. I was just like, Oh, I guess Jason Isaac's eyes just got better. All right. Yeah, good for him. That, uh, that was a fact that was dropped for like four or five episodes. You know, one thing I have to say is, is, I'm almost 50. I'm not afraid to to say that. And in almost 50 years, I've never really heard the word trope used very much. And in the last two weeks, I've heard it like five times on Discovering Trek. So <laughs> I'm going to give that a thumbs up too. So <laughs> um, it's a good story. I'm sure, I'm sure that we're going to see, uh, I, I think personally that it's going to bring up more questions than answer more questions before all is said and done with Lorca, but we'll see what happens. Let's, uh, let's move on to the next uh, big topic of the episode. And that is the quotes. I'm using air quotes here and we're not on video, the death of Volk. Mm. Uh, what happens now, Ira uh, is, is Tyler just going to be Tyler again? And, and will he ever be trusted and what's going to happen to his relationship with Burnham and what's going to happen with Laurel? Uh, there's just a whole bunch of questions that showed up after those magic gloves last night. Yes. Oh, the magic laser gloves, the Klingons and their well-known magic laser gloves. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's man. What do I, what do I think it's going to be moving forward? Um, I, I hope that, um, I, I hope for the sake of his character and the sake for, for drama that it is, that Voke is, is, is not, dead and that we that the the personality that was chosen quote unquote by the writers is not just tyler um because that would feel kind of like a cheat to me to be honest i because that just seems like the wrong like if you want an interesting character interesting characters are characters in conflict right and that was that was an asset to tyler's character i think uh but i definitely watching it got the impression that voke is dead um, and I hope they don't, I hope they don't just choose Tyler and make it easy for Michael mm-hmm. and, 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 and Tyler, you know, like I am, I am a fan of, of conflict because I think conflict is where drama comes from. So I'm afraid that it is just Tyler. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Well, we did see the Klingon death howl, right, Liz? Do you think that that means uh, she thinks he's gone for good? Or uh, are you kind of alongside of your other half? Notice I didn't say better half. Ah, fair enough. I feel like I want, um, I want, uh, I'm sorry, I'm totally, I want Voke to like come out like alien style out of Tyler's tummy. Just be like, ah! Like he's like they just miniaturized him, right? We just those gloves just made him tiny, so like his pain is smaller, and then he just like busts through uh, Tyler's little tummy. Um, yeah, I mean they gave the howl, and we all know like oh that that means someone's dead. But uh, I the magical gloves just I was like oh good, I'm glad we didn't explain any of this. And like you have one guard with one phaser guarding her. That's it. All right. I mean, we're around. He was a lot holding of it very high. <laughs> yeah, he was on high alert. So I'll give he him had that. A Plus, stern look on his face. Very stern. He did. I mean, good for him. Like, <laughs> it was he, the look, was really. <laughs> like that's like that's what he was trying to go for. Was the look. It was not so much the feather. I mean, I think we're supposed to think he's dead, 
and it's going to be like a switch switchback. Like, oh, Tyler's okay. Just kidding. He's still Vogue. He's both. Uh. Which again, I don't know if you could tell. I'm just like tired. I was just like, oh, I hope something exciting happens. But no. Well, Bill, it sounds like Liz needs some cheering up about this part of the show. So uh, what do you got? Or are you just going to be uh, just going to be right down there with her? No, I'm kind of right with with Ira and Liz. This is the one part of the episode I thought was a bit of a stretch. It's yeah. How do these magic gloves work? And um, why all of a sudden, you know, did did all the magic lasers work on Tyler's brain? And we're going to get Tyler back about how can we get Tyler back if he's really Vogue has been surgically altered and I just there's really not enough there. And I'm concerned that, like Ira said, I'm concerned it's a cheat. I'm concerned that we're going to use that to keep Shazad Latif on the show and to keep Tyler around when um, I think it would be great if if Voke was, you know, what remained after all of this. You know, if, if he walked around as Voke looking like Tyler, I think that would be the ultimate pain for Michael. I didn't think of that, but I think as people who've listened to the show, this storyline is the one that I think I like the least so far this season. I haven't been, I was not a fan like right after the first episode when he showed up where, Oh, Tyler's folk and this, that I'm like, that's just crazy. Now it's happened. And it's like, and I, I totally understand the magic gloves. Never seen anything like that before. They seem to do little, it's like she was coloring on his brain when they were showing the the (laughs) computer graphic of it. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. What is brain? What is Barry? (laughs) You haven't gotten a season three yet. Have you, uh, over there on two guys, one truck? Oh yeah. They have. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) All right. So last thing I want to talk about, about the big parts of the show is Stamets and Stamets. Um, Mirror Stamets woke up on the Sharon. Sharon, what I don't know how to pronounce it. I can't talk. Whatever. About it. Yeah. Um, Bill, let's start with you. We saw some interesting dis- discussions between the two, and then of course we saw the very interesting discussion between Culber and Stamets. What's your take on what's happening in his mind when it comes to the mycelial network? I wish I knew um, because I I watched that sequence and I'm like. All right, so wait, he's in a coma and he's in his own mind and all he has to do is wake up. And I, I don't want to say it was the power of love that woke him up, but I'm going to go there and say it was the power of love that woke him up. Um, it's uh, I, I'm still kind of waiting to see how this plays out to to know how I feel about it. But right now I'm, I'm kind of sitting here with my nose all kind of scrunched up and, and wondering, huh? Because <laughs> I, I thought that that was probably even more of a jump necessarily than magic laser gloves. A spore jump, if you will. Oh, uh, oh. Sorry. I'm sorry. Pun. Michael Byrne. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that I liked about what happened, and I agree with you, I'm confused as to what's going on, uh, was Mirror Stamets, how Mirror Lorca was able to get to our universe. That's still unanswered. Uh, the, the, the bad rash of some kind on his arm uh, in regards to the network. But we know that the Spore network is not around by the time TOS rolls around. So is this the beginning of the death of the, of the network when we saw the spores all dying uh, at the end of the episode, Liz thoughts. 
Okay, first I want to give a shout out to Wilson Cruz's butt, who plays Hugh Colber. He like sneaked around a corner, you know, Anthony Rapp was like, oh, Hugh, and I saw that butt. And I was like, you've been working out. Good for you, dude. Looks good in that uniform. I'd follow that butt. Where are you going? So I Lit followed up like that a butt. Yes. Right. That was, that, be- I mean, that was beacon butt. Right, white. Beacon, beacon butt. butt. Hashtag um, beacon butt. <laughs> let's make that start trending, guys. Let's let's let it happen. Um, I you know, I this is what I think will, is gonna happen. We're gonna find we're gonna have one last jump where we get back to our universe and then they're gonna destroy the network and rap is gonna die too. And then we'll all be reborn because it was all a dream. <laughs> Don't go there. Don't go there. <laughs> okay. I don't want it to was all a parallel universe. <laughs> Jeez. Ira, are you in agreement with the missus or uh, do you have your own take on it? Uh, I do think that they've given themselves an out now with this mycelial network. Um, they, I, they just, I mean, there's so like, there's so many floating opinions, right. Of like, what universe really is this? Is it our, like the mirror universe we know? Is it really prime? It can't be prime. And they, I, I, I feel like they've just hammered. This is prime universe. It's not JJ verse. It's not whatever. I feel like they've hammered that so many times that, that I take them at their word that that's their intention. Okay. Um, and if that's true, right, then you have canon that you have to reconcile. And I see shades of that in this idea of here. Here's the reason why I think the mycelial network has to shut down and why I was yelling at the television when Michael Burnham was in there with the emperor, which is if you can cross universes using the mycelial network. And there's a universe that is hell-bent on domination. You cannot leave that door open. Absolutely. But she's my dead mentor, and I love her. <laughs> yeah. When Burnham, when Burnham would just, like, the decision for her to just, like, tell Giorgio what was going on, I was like, man, I am not on board with that. <laughs> if I were her superior officer, I'd be like, what were you thinking? What were you thinking? Like, you cannot give them the doorway to our universe. Then she'd be like, I felt so guilty for killing Bay. Oh, (laughs) Oh, Michael Burnham. So, so yeah. So, that's why I think the mycelial network is going to have to go. Um, I, I mean, obviously they could come up with some other, re- like some other way to block, you know, cut the universes off. Right. Sure. Um, and, and if I may, they have to do it in a way that the TOS crew knows nothing about it because they don't know anything about it by the time Mirror Mirror rolls around. Right. Yeah. Obviously this is super, super top secret stuff that they're sharing with right. us right now. Right. So totally. I feel like we're in the club and that's, that's, <laughs> that's dope. Um, but yeah, I it it's just it just marked it, it marked me as interesting that they would show us that the mycelial network is dying. They could just be doing that to give us a ticking clock, um, you know, in terms of when we have to get back. But it might also be their way of reconciling canon at the end of the day, you know. Sure, sure. Well, great discussion, guys. Love all of the different opinions. It's fun, fun stuff. But now it's time to get into things that are not so fun. Each week. We reserve this special time to reflect on those who we've lost in this week's episode of Star Trek Discovery. It's the somber part of the show, 
but we feel that it's the least we can do for those who have paid the ultimate price. We like to call it the Red Shirt Roll Call. He's dead, Jim. 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 Discovery is a Star Trek show where we are going to lose crew and characters. That much is certain. So, Bill, who can we say goodbye to in episode 12 this week? Well, Dan, we start by moving Ash Tyler off the red shirt roll call after putting that persona on here just last week. Now it looks like we might be entering Voke, Son of None, onto the list of the dearly departed. He's been seeking the light of Kalis, and, you know, this week I think he may have found it. We also add Emperor Giorgio's Court of Lackeys. The Emperor got them all with the dreaded fidget spinner of death, which was seriously badass. It really was. And then, of course, it's good night and goodbye to the poor Kelpian whom Burnham selected when being welcomed by the Emperor. Rest easy, though. He became part of the circle of life when he joined Giorgio and Burnham for dinner on a plate. Yeah. Pretty sure the Emperor likes her ganglia poached. That might be a little too soon for that one. And then, of course, the poor friend of Lorca who's being used as leverage by Captain Maddox. He was injected with some kind of weird virus and and really kind of exploded everywhere. Uh, the most gruesome death in Star Trek, possibly even surpassing Commander Remick, who who uh, got phasered in TNG. And then finally, Dan, oh, yeah. we bid adieu to Captain Maddox himself. He of the ISS Sharon. Lorca shocked him, literally. And then went all stompy on his head. So, Dan, that's the uh, that's the roll call this week, my friend. That may be the longest roll call that we've had so far this seasoning on Discovering Trek. It was a messy night indeed, but whether messy or clean, we raise a glass of Synthahol in their honor as we say goodbye in this week's Red Shirt Roll Call. This week's episode is brought to you by Fansets, the exclusive sponsor for Discovering Trek, and it's time for this week's exclusive discount code. So just enter the code SHARON, that's C-H-A-R-O-N in all capital letters, at checkout for 10% off your entire order on fansets.com. Now, this code is going to be available to use until Sunday, January 28th, 2018 at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Fansets. A set for every fan and a fan for every set. See their entire line at fansets.com. And as always, we thank our friends at Fansets for being our exclusive sponsor for the entire season of Discovering Trek. Of all the souls I have encountered in my travels, his was the most human. Star Trek has always been a reflection of our times. And in this segment, as always, we take a look at what this episode helps us discover about humanity, or perhaps even what it tells us about ourselves. This was a tough one for me. uh, So I'm not going to start first. As the host, I get to choose who goes first. So Ira, you're up, buddy. I hope you did your homework for what uh, this episode told us about humanity, because I thought it was a tough one. I didn't know there was going to be a quiz. Um, actually, whatever you studied, I did. I did study. He always studies. Um, I do. It's so annoying. Um, I, uh, yeah, uh, this. I, I think that the. I think that uh, any storyline dealing with with the mirror universe, um, uh, the obvious theme why there's an attraction to storylines like that for me anyway is the examination of of dark versus light right um 
I, I think you guys have already talked about that ad nauseum, you know, both in the cultural sense in terms of, you know, what our world is like and, and, and the duality of humanity, but also like inside of ourselves, right? Like, you know, should I do that horrible thing or should I do the right thing? Um, I, uh, so I'll, I'll go, I'll go, I think, um, with, the idea of, um, I thought that family was very interesting in this episode and I'll go with that instead. Um, we had that, that really twisted, um, conflict ridden, jealous dynamic between Burnham and Giorgio, um, which I know, um, you know, must echo with a lot of people out there. Not everybody has such a straightforward, positive relationship with parents, right? <laughs> and um, and uh, I, I felt like they did a really effective job um, kind of highlighting that um, uh, without so much on-the-nose uh, dialogue um, and, and, and actions with it, that there was a lot of subtext between them. And... Um, I think that, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure exactly how that reflects on humanity as a whole per se, but I felt like that was a very personal touch that they added to this episode that really resonated um, that, you know, p- parental uh, child relationships are not always, they're not always um, clear cut in terms of you love someone, but it can be very difficult at the same time. Um and I thought they did a great job with that. And that was very reflective of reality and what it is to be human. Liz? For a lot of us. Top I don't want to answer that. I mean, I can't. He, <laughs> she just like killed it outside. Wow. Um, that was good. That was really good. And I agree with the sentiment of family. I, I hadn't looked at the episode like that because I was just so angry at Michael Burnham for just spilling all the secrets to an evil empire. Babies. She just spilled it. She was like, bleh. Um, <laughs> I guess what I learned is, uh, I get for me, obviously the mirror episode is about what is real, what is not real, what are truths and what are lies. Um, But what I learned are that Kelpians are a delicacy and it shows that humans are, I think it, I, I don't know if you guys have seen this in other episodes, but I feel like there's a lot of animal rights going on um, with Discovery and uh, what should be animal Mm. rights um, in the near far future. And the idea of, you know, uh, Kelpians are sentient beings who can be first uh, made on a ship and, you know, like, and yeah, we went through that with them. the tardigrade too. Uh, yeah, exactly. and I felt yeah, like for sure. that was definitely something that I was like, oh, we're revisiting this animal rights. What it, What does it mean what does intelligence mean? What do we value? Um, and that's where I'm going to go with that one. Yes, pull that one out of my butt. <laughs> I like well it. Well done. I, and, it, and, and you're right. As soon as you started talking about that, the first thing I thought about was a tardigrade because Bill went. Bill and I went on a very long discussion about how to treat a species just because it might not be able to communicate with you. Does that make it not as smart as you or, or along those lines? So I like it, Liz. I'll, I'll give you two thumbs up for that one. Okay. And uh, Bill, as always, you usually have some good stuff to say in this segment. So I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say. You know, I, I struggled this week with, with this aspect, you know, in other weeks it's been, it's been pretty easy for me because I I feel like I've said this a few times on discovering Trek. It's, it's a Star Trek I wanted, but I didn't necessarily know at the time it was the Star Trek I needed. 
And I'll be honest, I didn't find a whole lot of humanity in this episode. And I think that's because the mirror universe is cruel and it's evil and it's, it's all of the basest qualities of humans in one galactic ginormous package. Um, I, I, there is one aspect I saw and, and, and Dan, I've actually read your notes for this week. And I think that the floor belongs to you on this one, because I I agree with you hundred percent. And I think you, you articulate it very well. So I'm going to, I'm actually going to toss this to you because I don't think you can say it any better. All right. Okay. Well, uh, I will say that this week was really difficult for me to come up with what to talk about, to be honest. Um, I've usually looked at the dark side of humanity in this part of the show, and I didn't want it to be a, a just a repeat of, of old discussions that I've had. Uh, but it is the mirror universe, and we're seeing humanity at its darkest, like Ira just mentioned a few minutes ago. You know, Bill mentioned uh, either last week or the week before that we had the honor of talking to Andy Robinson over on Trek Geeks a couple of years ago, and the Mirror Universe came up. And he talked about how he didn't like the Mirror Universe at all because basically it was just a way for the characters to be sadistic, evil, torturous representations of the characters that we're used to. And, you know, with this week's episode of Discovery, I have to agree that that's the case. You know, Georgiou's flinging the deadly fidget spinner to take out six people in a room and they pick slaves to be taken to the kitchen to become dinner. And then they're basking and watching other people suffer and they don't bat an eye when condemning people to death simply for their own selfish reasons. And on top of all of that, we have Lorca whose level of deceptions is on a scale that I don't think I've ever seen in Star Trek. It's, it's, it's really scary. Humanity can be so dark and it can be so ugly. So I found it very interesting that the most positive aspect of humanity that we saw this week was from a non-human. Saru did everything he could for Tyler, even after he knew what had happened on the Shenzhou. You know, he acted in ways that we've never seen him act. He was strong and powerful when talking to Laurel, and he was determined And it was all because he wanted to save a life. So I applaud his convictions as a Starfleet officer and his resolve to show a Klingon that life is precious. So as we move along to Starfleet commendations, this is always fun. And I have a feeling that uh, a couple of us might be picking the same thing. We're going to choose one, two, or three things that we really loved about this episode, whether it's characters or performances or scenes. Uh, And I'll start out uh, this time. And uh, I think the Kelpian shocker was, was one of my favorite parts if that's kind of twisted. Um, We saw Michael last week lie to Saru about seeing Kelpians in the mirror universe. And I think it's a good idea that she keeps the truth to herself. Um, Not only are Kelpian slaves over there, but evidently they're food. Uh, And I, I gotta be honest, I did not see that coming. And uh, I got to give shout out to um, Sonequa Martin green, Her reaction when she was eating the ganglia was just so intense that I think I was actually gagging a little bit at the same time watching that scene. Um, I will say, however, that I was very happy to see that it was not Saru because some people out on social media today had speculated on Twitter that it actually was Saru's character in the Mirror Universe. But the episode writer Jordan Nardino confirmed today that that was not the case. So that's very cool. Um, 
Second shout out I have is for Anthony Rapp and Wilson Cruz, not specifically Wilson Cruz, but but I understand where Liz is coming from. Um, <laughs> it was also those toothbrushes, right? Like yeah, shout it, out to toothbrushes. Exactly. Brush their teeth Absolutely. Um, you know, it, it's it's just so wonderful that every single time that these guys have a scene together, it's the highlight of the episode. Every single time it's happened. Um, how many times have you wished that you could speak to someone that you've lost just one more time? And I got to tell you, the way that they did it was absolutely beautiful. I just thought it was a, an amazing moment. And lastly, I'd like to call out the writer's room and specifically the aforementioned Jordan Ardino for the episode. Bill and I have said from day one that we trust what the writers are doing with Discovery. We've believed that they have a plan for the story. And this week, to me, proved that that plan is working and has been in place since the opening scene of the Vulcan Hello. All those past scenes clipped together like we talked about earlier when Burnham was realizing what's going on about Lorca. And then mixing it in with Lorca's escape from the, from the booth was really wonderfully scripted and just amazingly portrayed by everyone involved. So bravo, writers. You're doing a hell of a job and keep up the good work. Ira? Let's go for you and your Starfleet commendations. Aye, aye, Captain. Um, Tongue-in-cheek, I have to give uh, commendations to the Fidget Spinner of Death, because that was dope, (laughs) and to the Magic Gloves, to Laurel's Magic Klingon Gloves. Um, But tongue-in-cheek kidding aside, I completely agree with Saru. Um, I have been on the fence about Saru. Um for most of this show um it just seems to me so often that saru is is mr wrong and burnham is miss right and i and and an always wrong character is just so irksome but in this episode he was absolutely right he was uh they he 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 it was his duty as a starfleet officer to do everything he could to help this person in distress in uh, ash tyler um and so commendations to him it was legitimately the first time that i really found affections in my heart parts for his character um and which is which has been frustrating for me because i think doug jones is a phenomenal actor um so yeah that's mine nice i like it Uh, doug jones is phenomenal and i gotta say before we get to you liz the makeup for saru they had a lot of close-ups last night with his character. It is just wonderfully done. Very, very good job. It there. is, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's like really dewy. Something. Like his skin is like dewy. It yeah. looks like real skin. <laughs> he really moisturizes. <laughs> he definitely moisturizes. Liz, I, I know you gave it thumbs downs, but I have a feeling you've got some commendations for this week, don't you? I do. Nice. I want to give it up to uh, sets and uh, props. <clears throat> set decoration the props i really liked the throne room uh for the emperor it looked like the world series uh trophy but i'm okay with that i love baseball and apparently totally so good. does emperor Giorgio. so you know you do you girl uh the fidget spinner was really fun i i do like that she uh that burnham keeps it on her and that we've seen it again and again in episodes i think that's a nice a nice touchstone for her character um i also want to give it up for uh, the graphics department for making um, when we were in uh, Paul uh, Stamets mind 
chamber palace network time and it was mind disintegrating palace. yeah mm. we'll call it as mind palace and it was disintegrating i thought that looked really cool yeah also the ship the emperor ship with its giant sun i mean oh, it was so, it's so cool. cool like it was the so design cool. is really spectacular yes love it yeah I, is that a sun is it a star I, I, I who knows maybe we'll find out we don't care it looks cool it does look very cool yeah indeed bill what do you got brother well, I have to say, uh, first up, I have to give a commendation to Michelle Yeoh. I love her as Giorgio, either you know, in in this universe or any other. And this week, I I thought she was just amazing. You know, she commanded the screen, and you know, she was she was every bit as as diabolical and devious as I hoped an emperor would be, but um, but even better than I imagined. So, uh, also, uh, I want to give one out to Wilson Cruz. It's a joy to see him. And the scene where he tells Prime Stamets that he loves him is one of my favorites of the whole season. Um, Wilson, you know, uh, last week or the week before said Culber isn't done. And if this was it, I, I, I'll I, be really bummed because I, I really want there to be more, even if there's some kind of mycelial magic as to how we see it again. And then lastly, the visual effects team for the shots of the ISS Sharon. Um, simply awesome. I don't know, like you, I don't know if it's a sun either. But uh, but damn, it was it was amazing, and I can't wait to see what happens next week. That has to be one of the coolest Trek ships ever. Totally. Seriously, yeah, like it was it yeah. was awesome. It's really cool, and it looks like next week is going to have a lot of action on that ship. So hopefully, there'll be some external action so we can see it in all of its magnanimous glory. Did you like that one, Bill? Yes. I like it. Oh, that was fantastic. Thank you, thank you. Long range scan of planet complete. So here we go. Time for a long-range scan. You know, Ira brought up Deep Space Nine earlier uh, in the show today. Oh, so, yeah, it was it was a pretty I good. I liked it. Uh, so let's open up the orb of time, shall we, and uh, get some thoughts as what we think is going to happen in next week's episode or in the rest of season one. And we only have three left, so there's going to be a lot of stuff crammed into those three episodes. So, Liz, let's start with you. Do you have anything that you think is going to happen over the next three episodes? I touched on it very briefly, but I think what's going to happen is uh, Burnham's going to confront Lorca. Uh, the network's going to let the ship jump back. Um, and then we're going to have to burn the network down. And then we're going to find out Mira Lorca is in the new universe, uh, the prime universe. And then we're going to have to deal with that for season two. Th- those are my predictions. Also, I really, really, really want an alien Vogue, tiny alien Vogue to just come out of Tyler's tummy. <laughs> like- I'm, I'm calling it. I think we can still fit Very it in. Much Commander Remington from TNG. Yes. All I, yes, I, know. All I can see is the end of space balls in my head. <laughs> Hello, my baby. <laughs> Hello, my baby. Yeah. He, I love uh, that we know, all just say uh, that at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> Jassad Latif is a very talented man and I'm sure he could do it. So absolutely. Now that's when I really can't, Wait to see. Uh, Ira, uh, what have you for next week, my good man? For, yeah, for ne- man, next week. That's a tough question. I'm not sure about, I'm not so sure about next week, but if I'm looking long range sensors, I like obviously the defiant. Oh, here's my prediction. Th- this will be short and sweet. We're going to see the defiant at the end of the next episode. Oh, I, I would we not. We have not circled back. We have not circled back to that yet. Right. And you know that. I would not consider that a bad thing by any stretch of the imagination. It's always good to see old friends, isn't it? Uh, 
and that would be very cool. Of course, it's been upgraded. So, yeah, I like it. Very nice. Anything else, or is that it? Is that all you got? Uh, my da- my danger ganglia are telling me that I think we do burn down the mycelial network and we get back via the defiance way, but I- I'm not so sure about that. Um, but that'll be that'll be my prediction for now. Okay, uh, Bill, uh, I'm going to touch on that for a quick second, Ira. One of the things that I had forgotten about um, with regards to the defiant and and the emperor brought it up last night is. Interphasic space caused the entire crew to go mad and kill each other. And I'm like, oh, so they can't go to the coordinates and come back because that's going to cause some problems. But who knows? That's my hesitation on that prediction. But yeah. Guys, you're forgetting. We have magic Klingon gloves and it can heal everyone's brain. So we're fine. This is so true. (laughs) I am so glad you're on the show because you're resolving everything. I love it. I love it. I know. Morel <laughs> is the the true first Klingon in Starfleet. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious, Bill! Uh, can you top those? I don't think you can. I, I don't. I don't think I can at all. I don't. Uh, I got nothing by comparison. But I think. Uh, I think we're going to be adding Lorca to the red shirt roll call next week, and Giorgio and her lackeys, mm. and probably the entire palace ship. I think that thing is going to go boom in a very big way. And um, that's uh, – I'm usually yeah, wrong on these really? things, so we'll see what happens. That I, I didn't expect you to say that Lorca is going to uh, be in the red shirt roll call. That kind of took me back for a second. Wow. Uh, I Wow. I can't even answer – I can't even – that's amazing. Where did you come up <laughs> you with that broken one? Dan. <laughs> broken. broken Dan. I'm <laughs> broken. Broken Dan. All right. Well, mine pales in conspiracy comparison i think a lot of what i have for a long range scan is, is is just kind of basic stuff i think that i think that next week is going to be the final mirror universe episode i think it's going to culminate in a huge battle on the flagship and then they are going to at the last moment be able to get back to our universe using the mycelial network before it becomes completely unusable by our standards and then uh, Stamets is going to have issues with not being able to stay connected to it any longer. But we'll see. We got four very different scans for the next three episodes. So it will be very interesting to see what happens. Dan, how many, how many episodes do we have left? Three. 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 I think that's a very important – anybody out there that's pontificating, I think that's a very important thing to remember. There's, there's three episodes left. Yeah, it's there's there's a lot of stuff that they got to put into those three episodes. I I don't want a cliffhanger. I I can't I I can't live <laughs> week to week with the show with the cliffhanger. So if it's a whole season, uh, I I'm just gonna have to punch Bill. So we'll see what happens. How many episodes did they get greenlit for the second season? All of know? all of them. <laughs> I don't think they've announced it yet. Because <laughs> I mean, they have 15 this season. I was just curious. I'm gonna guess at least 13, but we haven't heard yet. Yeah. Hmm. It'll be interesting to see. I love the long range scans, folks. Thanks. Dan, as always, we want to thank our friends at Fansets for sponsoring this entire first season of Discovering Trek. Now, we know that they obviously have incredible pins for Star Trek, but they also have them for all kinds of genres like Marvel and DC and, of course, Harry Potter. Yes, indeed they do. Um, They also have a very special Star Trek Discovery tie-in with the Season 1 Episode Pin Collection. All you need to do is head on over to EpisodePins.com to check out all the details of how you can have 
unique pins for every episode of this first season of Discovery. You know, last week we got a special glimpse over at StarTrek.com for what the first two Mirror Universe pins looked like. And oh my, they are amazing. Captain Killy Tilly and Goatee Sarek. Very cool stuff. I, uh, they truly are, Dan. And this is this has become one of my favorite parts of the show. I mean, all the discussion is great, but now we actually get to give away pins. And this is the thing I, that I enjoy. Um, as you may recall, last week, we wanted you to tweet out your thoughts on episode 11 with a special hashtag. We've taken all of those great responses. And from them, we selected at random one winner. We want to congratulate Elizabeth Salem, um, who's on Twitter at Eliz Salem. You've just won the captains and their ships from Star Trek Discovery, including Lorca and the Discovery, Giorgio and the Shenjo, and Cole and the Sargophagus ship. Team Cole. Team Cole for life. We'll be in touch, and uh, we'll get those pins right out to you. You know, I, can I got I got really excited because my name's Elizabeth, and I was like, what? Oh, my God, I didn't. Guys, that's but that's really great for the other Elizabeth. Good job, girl. Disclaimer, <laughs> employees and guests on Discovering Trek are not eligible for fans <laughs> But, you know, I will say that, you know, winning stuff from fan sets has got to be pretty cool. So congratulations, uh, Ms. Salem. And, you know, this week we're going to do the same thing. The last we've done the last couple of weeks. Send us a Twitter review for your chance to win something a little different than fanset pins. You know, we all need a place to display and store these pins, right? Well, Tweet out your thoughts on episode 12 and use the special hashtag magic laser gloves for your chance to win a fansets portfolio case to store all your fanset pin awesomeness. And as an added bonus, you can pick between three colors, pink, blue, or black. And next week, we're going to put all those tweets together and pick one lucky winner. So get your tweets out there by Monday, January 29th, 2018 at 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. And good luck. As always, thank you so much to Fansets for being our exclusive sponsor all season long. Well, next week, it looks like Lorca is going to be forcing his hand to try and overthrow the Emperor. And what I have called will be an action-packed episode. So, Bill, what can our listeners look forward to here on Discovering Trek? Well, Dan, next time on Discovering Trek, they can look forward to the fact that I won't be here. (laughs) I'll be away from my podcast microphone in the Vegas sector as you will look at the 13th episode of Star Trek Discovery. What's past is prologue. But fear not, mon frere, in my place for a special guest host appearance will be none other than the host of Politrex on the Tricorder Transmissions podcast network, Mr. Barry DeFord. And joining you and Barry for the discussion will be another member of the Tricorder Transmissions family, Trek Rank's own Jim Morehouse, who returns for his second Discovering Trek appearance. In the meantime, we've made it easier than ever for you to subscribe to both Trek Geeks and also Discovering Trek, a Star Trek Discovery companion. Head on over to podfleet.com and find out how you can get both of our podcasts directly on your iPod, iPhone, Android, or other device. Plus, you can even stream the podcast using Spotify, iHeartRadio, or Stitcher. It's your independent Star Trek podcasts delivered your way. So join the pod fleet and make it so, Dan. So let me get this straight. You're not going to be here next week for Discovering Trek. That's correct. I have a feeling that this is going to be the best podcast episode ever. Thanks. So yeah. you're very welcome. I, You know, Liz... Ira, we got to thank you both so much for joining us for this fun discussion. Um, Ira, I'd like to start with you. 
let's uh, let's get your your stuff out there for where people can find you on social media and what you got going on. For sure. Okay, so I am at iraheineken.com, but no one knows how to spell my last name. So just spell it like the beer and you'll find my site. I got all of the near misses for my website. <laughs> so I'm at iraheineken.com. Um, I am at slash Ira Heineken on all the social medias like Instagram and uh, Twitter and Facebook. Um, and I, uh, you can find out all about my, my writing and all that kind of stuff um, through my website or social media. Uh, for uh, Two Guys, One Trek, we are so, 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 so close uh, to announcing a date for season three of the original series uh, to drop. Uh, that's looking like probably in March that that's going to be coming out. And nice. you can find that podcast at two guys, one Trek dot com. Uh, two guys, one Trek on Twitter and Instagram as well. Awesome. That's fantastic. And of course, Liz, we can all check you out on Netflix, but uh, where can we also see you on, uh, on social media? And please give us a big plug for, uh, for part two. <laughs> Well, uh, part two of Disjointed is even crazier and wackier than the first part. Uh, we really let the wheels come off and the animations, the commercials that we do and the plots and songs just get crazier. <laughs> um, you can find me on all my social media, Twitter and Instagram at Real Elizabeth Ho. It's at Real Elizabeth Ho, not that fake one. Don't don't follow her. Follow the real one. <laughs> And chances are that Elizabeth will like you more than she likes me. But that's okay. Not true, Dan. Oh, I remember what you said at Vegas, girl. Come on now. It's true. I did say that. Well, like straight to your face. It's okay. We we still love you both. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, that's going to do it for episode 12, people. Uh, I'm not sure how much more of this mirror universe my heart can take. And believe me, I mean that in such a good way. Thank you for spending a little bit of your day with us, and we look forward to the next time we talk Discovery with you. Until then, here are some words of wisdom from Captain James T. Kirk. In every revolution, there's one man with a vision. And until next week, never stop discovering. Music for Discovering Trek is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing one song for each episode of the original Star Trek. Download their music at fiveyearmission.net. Discovering Trek, a Star Trek Discovery Companion, is a production of Trek Geeks. Executive producer Dan Davidson. For even more Star Trek discussion, check out the Trek Geeks podcast, available on Apple Podcasts and trekgeeks.com. <laughs>